welcome to Siesta Sundays with Sasha, a place where everything Christian is discussed. So if you had a question and you thought, well, I think I'm the only one who's feeling this, or you were too embarrassed to ask something out loud, this is the place to be. Every week, we will be answering one very complex, very simple question. What does the Bible say about, well, you can fill in the gap. <laughs> Join me every Sunday and we will break these questions down together and hopefully leave with some sort of answer. I and sometimes my guests are here to say same go same with regards to anything that you think you were the only one experiencing it. Grab your earphones, a cup of coffee or tea, whatever you're drinking today, and let's go on this journey together. So I find it really hard that there's anything that we're experiencing, anything that's happening that hasn't taken place in the Bible in one way or the other. You know, the saying, there's nothing new under the sun. I I honestly don't believe there's anything new (laughs) under the sun. And so how our episode is going to work is I'm going to bring something up, right? A topic or subject. Um, We're going to talk about it, ask questions about it, etc. And then bring the Bible into the picture. And then we're going to try and break down what the Bible means when it talks about or addresses some of these issues, right? So that, you know, everyone feels comfortable. And so when you make your decisions, you make them from a perspective of, you know, you know what the Bible says about it. I mean, that's kind of what we're here to do, right? Live our lives, be happy, get excited, do awesome things, but still make God happy, right? And then at the end of the episode, we're then going to not necessarily come to a conclusion because I'm not a preacher, but like, I'm just going to hope that each of us has been enriched in one way or the other and after that i'm gonna give you a little bible verse that maybe is special to me well special to more than just just me obviously because bibles for everyone but one that i feel like giving to you and then i'm going to give you a song to listen to because i love gospel music and that will be the end so when we get started So today we will be answering one question. What does the Bible say about Judas Iscariot? And there are seven components to this question that I would like to look at. So let's get cracking. So the first part is, who was Judas? All we know is that he was the son of Simon Iscariot and is the only disciple who was referred to using the place that he comes from so he is from Iscariot and obviously he's one of the 12 disciples and some people believe he was a disciple of John before he became a disciple of Jesus nothing more is said about him we don't even have an account of his call so the call was the second part of it Um, there is no account of how he was called when he was called or why Jesus chose him. We just know that he was one of them because he's on the list and because obviously we know that he betrayed Jesus at some point. Um, so the next part is his relationship with Jesus. What kind of relationship did he have with Jesus prior to the betrayal? We don't really see much in the Bible. However, the undocumented Gospel of Judas says that they were best friends and that he was one of Jesus's favorite disciples. In fact, this book says that Jesus and Judas were so close 
that Jesus enlisted Judas with betraying him. He went and asked him to tell the Pharisees and the Sadducees where he was so he could get arrested and so that the prophecy would be fulfilled. Other than that, with regards to our Bible, there is no mention of what kind of relationship Jesus and Judas had. And I don't want to dwell on the Gospel of Judas because, you know, it doesn't really apply to what we believe in because it's not in the Bible. Um, so I thought it was something interesting for you to know. But other than what we have, there's really nothing that talks about the relationship that Judas had with Jesus. Okay, so now our fourth component is the account of Judas's betrayal. And what I find in the Bible is that Judas's betrayal seems different, but it really has the same basic, you know, points. So in Matthew chapter 26, verse 14, it says, Then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve disciples, went to the leading priests and asked, How much will you pay me to betray Jesus to you? And they gave him 30 pieces of silver. From that time on, Judas began looking for an opportunity to betray Jesus. The book of Mark says, in chapter 14, verse 10 to 11, Then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve disciples, went to the leading priests to arrange to betray Jesus to them. They were delighted when they heard why he had come, and they promised to give him money. So he began looking for an opportunity to betray Jesus. Then, Luke chapter 22 says, The festival of unleavened bread, which is called Passover, was approaching. The leading priests and teachers of religious law were plotting to kill Jesus, but they were afraid of the people's reaction. Then Satan entered into Judas Iscariot, who was one of the twelve disciples, and he went to the leading priests and captains of the temple, temple guard, to discuss the best way to betray Jesus to them. They were delighted and they promised to give him money. So he agreed and began looking for an opportunity to betray Jesus so they could arrest him when the crowds went around. The book of John in chapter 13 says, It was time for supper and the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Iscariot, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. So what we learn is that all three, all four Gospels, account for Judas's betrayal yes um, only John talks about the devil entering Judas but the other three all talk about how Judas did this on his own he made this decision on his own he went and he did this by himself right um, and well in John chapter 13 like later on it says I'm not saying these things to all of you I know the ones I have chosen but this fulfills the scripture that says, the one who eats my food has turned against me. And then in, in verse 26, it says, Jesus responded, it is the one to whom I give the bread I dip in the bowl. And when he had dipped it, he gave it to Judas, son of Simon Iscariot. When Judas had eaten the bread, Satan entered into him. Then Jesus told him, hurry and do what you're going to do. None of the others at the table knew what Jesus meant. Since Judas was their treasurer, some thought Jesus was telling him to go and pay for the food or give some money to the poor. So Judas left at once, going out into the night. And so, as you can see, like J Jesus already knows what's going to happen and Judas is making this decision on his own. I know like, 
the devil is in him or whatever but the devil exists like among us and so he could have suppressed the t temptation or acted against it i guess and so this is where our discussion is about to start so the bible in john chapter 18 says after saying these things jesus crossed the kidron valley with his disciples and entered a grove of olive trees judas the betrayer knew this place because jesus had often gone there with his disciples the leading priests and pharisees had given judas a contingent of Roman soldiers and temple guards to accompany him. Now with blazing torches, lanterns, and weapons, they arrived at the olive grove. And in the book of Matthew, it says that he betrayed Jesus with a kiss. He kissed Jesus to identify him to the, to the Pharisees and the people who had come. It said the traitor, Judas, had given them a prearranged signal. You will know which one to arrest when I greet him with a kiss. This is in chapter 20, 26, verse 48. And so verse 49 says, So Judas came straight to Jesus. Greetings, Rabbi, he exclaimed and gave him the kiss. Verse 50, Jesus says, My friend, go ahead and do what you came from came for. Right? Um... So our question, in Matthew chapter 26, verse 48, it says, The traitor, Judas, had given them a prearranged signal. You will know which one to arrest when I greet him with a kiss. So Judas came straight to Jesus, greetings, Rabbi, he exclaimed, and gave him the kiss. Jesus said, My friend, go ahead and do what you have come for. Then the others grabbed Jesus and arrested him. In the book of John, it says, after saying these things, Jesus crossed the Kidron Valley with his disciples and entered a grove of olive trees. Judas, the betrayer, knew this place because Jesus had often gone there with his disciples. The leading priests and Pharisees had given Judas a contingent of Roman soldiers and temple guards to accompany him. Now with blazing torches, lanterns and weapons, they arrived at the olive grove. Jesus fully realized all the things that were going to happen, so he stepped forward to meet them. Who are you looking for? He asked. In the book of Luke, it says, But even as Jesus said this, a crowd approached, led by Judas, one of the twelve disciples. Judas walked over to Jesus to greet him with a kiss. But Jesus said, Judas, would you betray the Son of Man with a kiss? When the other disciples saw what was about to happen, they exclaimed, Lord, should we fight? We brought the swords, and one of them struck the high priest slave, slashing off his right ear. And then the book of Mark says, And immediately, even as Jesus said this, Judas, one of the twelve disciples, arrived with a crowd of men, armed with swords and clubs. They had been sent by the leading priests, the teachers of religious law, and the elders. The traitor Judas had given them a prearranged signal. You will know which one to arrest when I greet him with a kiss. Then you can take him away under guard. As soon as they arrived, Judas walked up to Jesus. Rabbi, he exclaimed, and he gave him the kiss. The others grabbed Jesus and arrested him. So now, in the four Gospels, we can see that Judas led this arrest. He's the one who brought these people to Jesus. So now, the fifth part of this discussion is, why did Judas betray Jesus? And I have a couple of suggested reasons. The first one was money. <laughs> 
um, it says a lot in the Bible that he, well, he asked, what will you give me if I betray Jesus? What will you give me if I betray Jesus? And, you know, we all know it was 30 pieces of silver. But the funny thing is, according to the Bible, 30 pieces of silver wasn't a lot of money. It was like four months wages or the price of a slave. And so for me, it's very hard to like accept. But some of these things don't have to be rational for them to happen. It happened. And one of the reasons why Judas could have betrayed Jesus was for money. John also talks about Judas's love for money. In chapter 12, when Mary Magdalene anointed Jesus, or she, she washed his feet with perfume, he was the one who says, that perfume was worth a year's wages. It should have been sold and the money given to the poor. And John notes that, not that he cared for the poor. He was a thief, and since he was in charge of the disciples' money, he often stole some for himself. And so it's not, it shouldn't be that hard to believe that he betrayed Jesus, Son of God, uh, salvation for 30 pieces of silver because he loved money that much. Another reason was that the devil entered him and overpowered him and Maybe he was the weak link in the group. And so it was easy for him to be targeted as the person who, who would then make the decision to betray Jesus. So hypothetically, the devil could have tempted all of them and they wouldn't have realized it because they didn't act on it. However, Judas acted on it and happened to be the one that was used as the instrument of Jesus's betrayal. still not good enough for me because Jesus is worth much more but that's what happened you know the devil entered him told him this is what needs to be done and he was like cool I'll do it for 30 pieces of silver and then the next option is that Jesus enlisted him as I said in the gospel of Judas but because the gospel isn't in the bible I'm not gonna give that um, possibility a lot of attention but it could be that Jesus said I trust you so much I trust you with this go and tell them to come and arrest me because that's what needs to be done that's what I came here to do to die another possibility is that God took his weakness and used it to and to you know f further the process so it's not that difficult to know that God has used a lot of people for the greater good and Judas could have been one of them. The last theory that I have is that someone had to do it. It just had to be him. And because this fulfillment had to be had the fulfillment of the prophecy had to take place, Judas was going to be the one who was going to do it. And it's just that simple. We don't need to think about it deeply. It's what God wanted and that's what happened. So the interesting question now is, did Judas have a choice? Did he say, this is what I'm going to do? Or was the pre-existing condition that Jesus had to die the reason why Judas did it and he didn't realize it and he was just like a piece 
in the game, the chess piece, a pawn, <clears throat> had no choice and ended up doing something because someone had to do it. Did, so did you just have a choice? And I have a couple of answers for this. So, okay, there's two answers, yes or no. And I'm going to give the reasons for each of them. So for the no part, he could have been used by God to enact this whole thing, right? Or to put it in motion. But not necessarily out of God being evil, because God isn't evil, but someone can be seen to be capable of making bad decisions. And maybe because he was already a thief, it was easy for the devil to tempt, you know, to tempt Judas. And so when the devil tempted him, God took this opportunity to ensure that he was going to be the one who set the whole process in motion. Another thing is that he didn't have a choice because the um, the devil entered him. So he wasn't just a chess piece, but he was under the control of the devil. He could have been possessed. <laughs> I know it sounds very far-fetched, but it is a theory that exists that Judas was possessed by the spirit of the devil and acted and didn't know what he was doing. And to support this is a verse in Matthew 27. The Bible says, When Judas had betrayed him, realized that Jesus had been condemned to die, he was filled with remorse. So he took the 30 pieces of silver back to the leading priest and the elders. I have sinned, he declared. For I have betrayed an innocent man. What do, they, what do we care? They retorted. That's your problem. Then Judas threw the silver coins down at the temple and went out and hanged himself. So he could have been possessed for the time that he was needed to perform this action. And when the spirit of the devil left him, because, you know, it had been done already, he realized, oh no, this is what happened. And he went and he killed himself. So maybe he had no choice. But I think he had a choice. So I think the answer to whether he had a choice was yes. Um, he could have decided not to do it. And it's the reason why the story exists. The fact that he chose to do it. He went to them and said, how much money are you going to give me if I did this? You know? And so it's it's proof that Judas acted of his own volition, right? And God is a God who gave us free will. I find it hard to believe that Judas is the only one who didn't get that gift. So he decided on his own that people hate this man. I need money. What are we going to do? Let me go and sell him out to the people who want him on a stick. And that's just what he did. Simple as that. And I also think that regardless of this choice, Jesus would have been, he would have been crucified anyway. Someone had to do it. It just happened to be Judas. And yeah, that's it. But if he had a choice, here's a question for you now. If he had a choice, how did the timeline work so perfectly? How did it happen that the day that he decided to betray Jesus, everything had been set, you know, 
and it was like click 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 and then everything happened at once my answer is that this was prophesied a long time ago it was going to happen it was supposed to happen and so everything that took place right after was as a result of the prophecy itself and nothing else um and that's my theory <laughs> And so, at the end of the day, in my opinion, did Judas Iscariot have a choice? Yes, he had a choice. And he chose to betray Jesus. And that's it. And I think it's that simple. Um, and case closed, I guess. <laughs> the mystery has been solved. Um, yeah. We are the sum of our choices. And Judas made his Judas is one of the most puzzling characters in the New Testament he had the incredible privilege of being one of Jesus's 12 disciples seeing at first hand countless miracles and hearing life-changing teaching and even sent out by Jesus to do those miracles himself yet what is Judas remembered for not for how he served Jesus but for how he betrayed him how on earth did this happen and what can we do to ensure that this could never happen with us? Jesus knew Judas would betray him, yet still chose him. In fact, his betrayal was a fulfillment of scripture. This does not mean that Judas had no choice. It was simply a foreseeing of the wrong decision that he would make and that God would use. Many explanations have been suggested for this betrayal, yet the only motive given in the Gospels is that he did it for money. We know that he was outraged by what he saw as extravagant waste when Mary anointed Jesus' feet with expensive perfume, complaining that it would have been sold and the money given to the poor. Though John notes, not that he cared for the poor, he was a thief, and since he was in charge of the disciples' money, he often stole some for himself. As the group's treasurer, he saw an opportunity to enrich himself had gone. Capitalizing on his weakness, Satan took this opportunity and prompted him to devise his evil plan. With the door now open, he then entered Judas and led him to agree to betray Jesus. Not that he would gain much, for 30 pieces of silver was the value of his slave and about, or about, four months' wages. Judas's tragic story is a challenge not to live with hidden, unresolved issues in our lives. Jesus knew what Judas was like, yet appointed him treasurer presumably to give him an opportunity to face up to his hidden weaknesses and let Jesus change him, an opportunity that Judas never took. Rather, he kept feeding that weakness and let it grow until it totally overwhelmed him, leading to his suicide. Judas serves as a warning not to hide our weaknesses, but to bring them into the light for Jesus to deal with them. This whole part is a quote from my Bible that concludes... Judas's story, his tragic story. It serves as a warning not to hide our weaknesses, but to bring them into the light for Jesus to deal with them. So what do we learn from all of this? I think the most important part is that we are, we are the sum of our choices. We decide what we do and we have to live with those decisions. And in this case, Judas decided to betray Jesus. He decided to have him killed for one reason or the next. And 
well, he goes down in history as Jesus' betrayer. And so that's the sum of his choices. He killed himself out of remorse. And another account says that he used that money to buy a graveyard because it had been acquired in the wrongest of ways. And other accounts say that the Pharisees and the Sadducees who he threw the money to, the leaders, they bought a graveyard because they didn't want to associate this money with anything good. And it's so funny because they, they knew what they did was wrong, right? <laughs> but that's a story for another day. Um, Judas is just a reflection of certain parts of ourselves that we need to suppress or parts of ourselves that we need to take to God and say, God, this is who I am. This is how I'm feeling. This is what I'm thinking. I know it's not coming from you. Help me deal with it. And then your choices become who you are because then you have taken something that you know is not good, given it to God and trusted him to take it away from you. Of course, you need to put in the work and pray, praise God, and keep yourself surrounded with things that are good and keep thinking about things that are good. But at least you have taken that part that you know might take over you and you have accepted that it exists and have decided to fight it so it stops to exist. That's what I learned anyway. Tell me what you learned. So now to the exciting part, the verse. Um, I mean to give you a psalm today. Psalm 51 verses 10 to 12. It says, Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. And there you go. And the song that I'm going to give you today is Upper Room by Hillsong. And the part that I'd like you to focus on is the, I think it's the chorus or the refrain. <laughs> it says, um, so help me God breathe on my weakness for all I want is to be like Jesus. I don't have much, but all I have is yours to use. So make my whole life your upper room. And I think it's really important, based on what we talked about, because we need to give our lives up to Jesus and let him use us and use us in the best way possible. And so when he has our lives in our hands, we're more inclined to do good. And every time that we do something, we know that we have the guidance of the Lord. And obviously all of these things happen if you pray and you read the Bible, you, you know, you spend time in, with Jesus and you meditate and you talk to God all the time. However, even if you do that, if you have not given his life, if you haven't given him your life, none of those things will happen the way that you expect them to. You know, faith without work is empty. It's nothing, void, non-existent. What are you doing it for? Put in the work and you'll get the results. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Siesta Sundays with Sasha from Mind, Body and Soul. I hope you enjoyed it. Please tell me what you think and let me know if there's anything that you would like me to talk about. Love you lots. See you next week.